Where do we start this? And the answer doesn't matter. We're having a good time. Right. <laughs> he couldn't wait to get in here. You need sales balls to make sales calls. Sure. I'm tweeting that puppy. <laughs> okay. Welcome to the Sell or Die podcast. We're your hosts, Jeffrey and Jen Gittimer. I'm the author of The Little Red Book of Selling and 15 other best-selling books and the creator of the seven-figure sales formula program. I grew up in Philadelphia, sold in New York City, but was smart enough to move to Charlotte, North Carolina. And I'm the author of Sales in the New York Minute and creator of Breakthrough Business Babe Community. Fun fact, I'm obsessed with our dogs and consider them humans. If you have a dog, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Sell or Die is for sales professionals, salespeople, sales managers, entrepreneurs, and business owners who want to sell more at full price, earn loyalty, and have an unlimited stream of referrals. Every single episode is going to give you real-world, easy-to-implement solutions so that you can get your calls returned, your proposals read and acted on, all while creating relationships that you can take all the way to the bank. It's time to sell or die. Co-founder of Coastal Payroll Services, which is a San Diego-based payroll and HR service provider, right? So okay. in essence, think about ADP or paychecks, right? I think about them. We use ADP and have for the last 15 years. Good for you. I mean, look, if you look at ADP, they pay one in six Americans. And I actually came from ADP. I was selling in their major account sales group back from 2001 to, uh, to 2004. And they do a lot of great things. However, I realized there was an opportunity for a local payroll company to enter the market, compete head to head and, and excel in customer service. And that's really what we've done over the last 13 years uh, in our community. And we've expanded the business significantly up through California and actually all over the nation. But uh, our presence and our brand in California is very strong. Um, I want to talk about payroll because everybody uses it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we use ADP basically by default. Right. Because um, it's so fucking hard to switch. Well. Well, let's put it this way. It's a pain in the ass accounting-wise to switch. Mm -hmm. And they have all of our records. They file all of our tax returns for of our, you know, our payroll taxes. They've been immaculate at it. Good. They're not that expensive. Or you can, you know, we're only arguing about nickels. Right. And so we use them because they're, they're plaid, I guess. But when we had some PPP questions, they answered them. Oh, they did. That's encouraging because we heard the opposite. No, we were... We were fortunate. Our girl there is good. Yeah. Great. How many employees do y'all have? 550. <laughs> do you really? No, we have about seven. Okay. Um, I, I, look, he, here's what I saw in our community, right? We saw, I mean, a ADP pays one in six Americans, right? They have close to 700,000 customers. Wow. And in that, and so, so kudos to them for being able to handle it. What, what happened that week 
was for the first time in their history and, and throw in paychecks and every other major organization is that they were forced to send their employees home, right? Like every other American company. And they had for the first time, 700,000 customers calling in in a week. So what we were hearing from a lot of local businesses was the big businesses weren't there to answer their calls, right? Mm -hmm. They had five, six hour wait times, hold times, questions weren't being answered. And so for us, that was the opportunity that we saw, right? And, And then you look at that, you look at what Wells Fargo did, you look at Chase Bank, Bank of America, a lot of them were unable to be there for their small business clients. And so we said, well, that's our opportunity. We can be more nimble, we can be more available, and we can educate. And that was our kind of genesis for springing into a, a, a sales opportunity. And, and we were able to leverage the PPP, really um, the first stimulus, which is the FFCRA, into the CARES Act to be a source of information for Southern California and all of California businesses. And that has led to a lot of sales opportunities for us. So let's go back for just a second. There was a moment in your career at ADP where you said, screw this, I'm going to start my own business. Okay. Explain to me or tell our audience of diehards when that moment occurred. What was, yeah. your, what was that, that defining moment for you? I'll, I'll tell you, and, and it wasn't that, that seamless, it's, but it's a pretty fun story if you'll hear me out. So I uh, moved to San Diego. Um, had a technology job that that you know went bankrupt after about a year and a half and joined ADP. ADP has one of the best sales training programs in the world, right? So there's a lot I loved about it, um, but there was also a lot that I struggled with because when you have so many customers, a significant amount of the population may have had bad experience with ADP. It's kind of like AT and T, right? It's not always this, it's not the Nordstrom, if you will. So um, after a couple of years of selling, I was a little bit frustrated. My good friend came to me and said, hey, Johnny, um, I want you to join us over here at Sally May. We're create my, you know, we've created this um, subsidiary business called SLM Financial, where we're offering um, unsecured loans to tutoring centers, for-profit schools, this, uh, all these other organizations. And his dad was the CEO of Sally May. So what I thought was interesting about that opportunity was two things. One, I could kind of have a direct lineage to a Fortune 500 CEO and, and see how this individual thinks. And two, um, it, it's a pretty easy sale. You're offering money to um, tutoring centers, flight schools, so on and so forth. So it wasn't very complex. And I, I left ADP for that opportunity. And in about five years, we grew it from $200 million in loan volume to over a billion in loan Whoa. volume. Right? So very, very rapid growth. Um, and I had a lot of success at that organization. However, ever since I was young, I wanted to own my own business. And I remember my mom asked me what I wanted to do. And when I was in middle school, I'd say I want to be um, a CEO of a major corporation, right? And I didn't even know what that meant. And it wasn't until high school that I, I decided I want to be a CEO of a great small business. So fast forward to the Sally May days and one thing I didn't mention is that my oldest brother in Richmond, Virginia, started a payroll company called Dominion Payroll when I was at ADP. And he and a partner had started together and done very well. So left ADP at the end of my career here at Sally May, doing well, but just not challenged. And I'm sitting around the Thanksgiving table in Richmond, Virginia, 
complaining to my brother about how I've wanted to do my own thing. And he said, Johnny, why don't you start a payroll company? And I've read all the books. It's do what you love, do what you're passionate about. And I said, well, I don't love payroll. He said, who loves payroll? It's not, it's not payroll you're going to love. It's the business you're going to love. It's the customers you're going to love. He said, you can take our model, put it in San Diego, and avoid all the mistakes we made when we started. And I was like, man, that sounds like a, a good deal. He goes, you don't even understand how good of an opportunity this is for you. He said, but my only contingent is that you got to get a business partner. Because in his model, Jeffrey, one owner needed to focus on growing the business because it's not get rich quick, right? We're not selling million dollar solutions. Uh, and it's very consequential. If, you know, if you get the taxes wrong, there's penalties, there's interest. It's just, oh yeah, oh yeah. See someone, the, two, the two maddest people I've ever seen were hungry people when I was waiting tables and people that got paid wrong, right? So those are our two very stressful jobs. So it just so happened, my good friend, Craig Coleman and I, who owned a house together, um, he's the CPA and was a consultant at Ernst & Young. He spent 150 nights in a hotel room and um, was uh, just, you know, kind of at the end of the rope there, just frustrated. So we went to our fiancés, who are now wives, and said, uh, we have an idea. What do you think? And they said, well, how hard is it going to be? We said, well, we think, you know, we're going to go about nine months without taking home a paycheck. But if we can sell this and we can do this and we can do it in five years, we're going to be sitting on the beach. We're not going to have to work much at all. I mean, it was just uh, a great projection. And so what was interesting is uh, kind of coming to the end of the story here is that that was 06. Craig and I owned this house together and we sold it at the top of the market. We, you know, and that allowed us just enough money to parlay into starting our business. And uh, we started in uh, uh, March of 2007. And you're on the beach now? <laughs> 13 years later. I will tell you what, I'm going to the beach tonight because. Today is the first day that San Diego is allowing uh, people to sit on the beach after quarantine. So we could talk about how that goes in phases, right? Yeah. It, it seems like you started your business right before the recession. You know, you're working with a lot of entrepreneurs who at that time were faced with very uncertain times, unlike where we're at now. So talk to us about what that's been like and what you've seen the trends be because you're not just seeing your business as an entrepreneur, but I'm assuming hundreds of other businesses. And what do you see that works during uncertain times or not works? What are some of the lessons you've learned? That kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's talk about the beginning of 07. Um, that was, if you remember, actually a good time to be in business. And I remember yep. we were cold calling. I mean, and, and, in the beginning, when you don't have a lot to offer, you, you sell on price, right? It's like, well, okay, I'll save you money. I'll save you money. And those are the wrong customers to get. And at that time, no one was interested. And it wasn't until uh, 08 that that started to have, that that resonate, resonated with some people, right? So there was some price selling in the beginning, but we really built our brand around quality service. And once you no, you're going to make it. I mean, I, I remember for a year and a half, I'd wake up at two in the morning and stare at the ceiling, freaking about, out about the decision to start a business because I was so scared. 
and we're just going to lose everything. We didn't have a whole lot to lose anyway. So there was there was the drive to get revenue in by selling low, and we just worked nonstop. So the service was great. We don't ever want to do that again, right? And we can compete on price. What we've seen now is there is a race to get the customer's attention, right? And, and we talked about this a little bit. A lot of people feel left behind by their trusted partners. They went to the, their bank and their bank wasn't there to help them with the loan. That was their lifeline. Um, yep. They're looking to their, their local leaders to help them, allow them to survive, and they're, they're being left behind. Worse, the bank said they could help them and then didn't. Right. Correct. They didn't say like, hey, it's, it's unlikely you're going to get a loan. Go here. They said, oh, we can help you. And then you wait for weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So the so bigger the bank, the worse the deal. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. And that was the opportunity. I remember the CARES Act was signed by President Trump on a Friday. And that Sunday, I texted my, I emailed the sales team and said, you have two days to become experts in this CARES Act, in the PPP loan, right? And the reason why is all of the calculations goes through payroll reports. We have our accounting team and our payroll team and right. our internal team dealing with PPP to make sure we don't make a mistake. Right. Because the rules so have changed the about 22 times since we got the loan. Exactly. And that's also frustrating. But, but what we realized was when that was our opportunity and we feel like a lot of big businesses weren't there for their customers and they were on hold for six hours and frustrated and scared, we said, okay, we're going to hold town hall meetings every single day from 11 to 1. And we're going to have our chief human resource officer on the call, who's a very expensive resource, who typically our clients pay a lot extra for that kind of service. Uh, I'm going to be on there. My vice president of operations, my, my, my co-partner, uh, co-founder, Craig, we're going to be on there. And we are going to answer questions until they're done. And then, and, and, and so we were trying to be a source of information, whether they're a customer or not, right? And so my sales team broadcasted out to every single referral partner. And they went to their local bankers, who then broadcasted it to all of their customers. And it just really allowed us, it was like a wildfire fire to uh, enhance our brand in the community. And, and we were able to gain a lot of customers who were frustrated by their vendors and, and try and point them in directions there uh, to, to help them. Because we felt like it was our responsibility to help bolster the local economy because we obviously do well when the economy is doing well. And so what did your customers respond? How did they, what did they tell you? It's fantastic. We're actually creating like a, we, we do a lot of video on social media. We're creating a video commercial from the response of our customers. They, I don't think there's anything we've ever done more impactful to our customers than these town hall meetings. And is, in fact, we're holding another one on Thursday uh, in, in regards to getting back to work and all the things you need to think about that you're not thinking about, right? But it has been tremendously impactful. And for once, we are a trusted advisor to our customers. Okay, because for the longest time, the payroll guys were a commodity, and and I had to get, I had to get comfortable with that because my ego would get in the way. And I was like, oh, we're more than a commodity. We're not a commodity. And and you know, the group health broker is a trusted advisor, and even though you know sometimes they come around once a once a year, and 
but now we became a trusted advisor to our customers and that was a pretty uh exciting that's cool you know um my my feeling is and i don't know what you've named your program but i think it's it's equally as important to vaccinate your business to prevent the crap that's going to be happening in the economy from affecting you personally as a business and the minds of your and the minds of your employees as it is to vaccinate yourself against COVID. Okay. So, so tell me a little bit more about what you mean by vaccinate your business. Well, there are protections that you need in your business right now. Right. Number one is obviously health and safety. But number two is mental exchanges. Mm -hmm. People are working from home. They're frustrated. Their little kid comes in front of their screen when they're trying to make a call to a customer. Their dog is barking. They haven't figured out yet that they shouldn't be making a video call in front of their unmade bed yeah. because not really sophisticated. And in the middle of that, they have to talk to customers. Right. And customers need help and answers. Yep. So... You have to make sure that you're ready, that you're prepared, and that you're resilient to what's happening in the business world, in spite of the fact that you're home. Tough shit, you're home. What's your point? Everyone's home. So I love this concept and this idea and metaphor. I personally would opt for vitamins and therapies over vaccines. But yeah, so uh, I, but the, listen, the bottom line, yeah, I don't. I don't no, I'm like, shoot me up. I'll take the vaccine. I'm no, ready for no. Yes, Believe me, you don't want it. No, but that's a whole other issue. I, I don't want to that's go down a whole that path. Other podcast, and I don't want to open up the can that's of worms. Right. That's right. But, but, I, but I here's that's the, such a good John, Johnny. Here's the deal: you have to make sure that your business is impenetrable to the shit that's happening outside of your business. Right. And regardless of what the social circumstances, regardless of what the health circumstances, you have a family. Yep. And I know that you're a family guy. Yeah, I am. How do I know that? My bio? Well, no, look at your right-hand wall. Yeah, that's right. There they are, all my wife and four kids. Exactly. So. So. <laughs> I wanted to go back to when you were talking about, for the first time in your business, you felt like you guys had become a trusted advisor instead yeah. of a commodity because i think that that is such an important statement huge and yeah, huge. i want to really break it down what do you think changed besides the circumstance what was it that you did that other people can replicate who right. feel like other people who feel like well we're still a commodity even though i would disagree with them Right. But they feel that way. What's your recommendation? So I, I, I think the ability to be nimble is critical in a rapidly changing business environment. Okay. And so like when I was at ADP, we'd always say, well, we can't turn fast, but we're like a, a you know, an aircraft carrier. When we do, we turn and we're strong and no. we're guns blazing. Yeah. You know, that sounds like, like corporate bullshit. It was corporate bullshit. And we, we said, we're going to, we're going to be ready for every change that occurs, and we're going to educate our customers within a day, right? And we're going to be there. And, and we're not just, I mean, maybe it wasn't a day because we would really go through the darn law. We'd read the Treasury Department's uh, you know, publication and, and give good information and our interpretation of it. But we were very, very consistent with it. 
right? We were very open and raw with people about it. Um, it was a setting like this, where it wasn't just another webinar with more PowerPoint. I mean, yes, we would use PowerPoint to educate in the beginning. And we'd say, okay, let's open up. So if someone's asking a question, and the three of us are having a dialogue about it. And that, that, that forum, I think, is at least today, very, very real and raw. And it was insightful. And we just kept staying on these meetings, answering questions. So it was I'm going to give you an idea. And if you use it, you owe me 10 grand. Fair enough. Right, let's do it. Fair enough. If it brings right. me 20, we'll do it. <laughs> no, I don't care what it brings you. If you don't milk it, that's your fucking fault. You still All owe right. me the 10. All right. Your business is in the no. Okay. And no is an acronym for we are knowledgeable, we are nimble, we own it, and we wow. Yeah, right. And we're that. the only payroll company that is truly in the know. We've seen it time and time again. Businesses are losing sales because of bad training. Think about it. Who loves the online training at their organization? Answer, just about no one. It's a hassle to create and distribute. It's often tedious to take. And that's because... You have to cobble together authoring apps, learning management systems, and uneditable third-party content that looks like it's from the 1990s. And none of these work nicely together. So what do you do when you're an expert in sales, but not in training? You turn to Rise.com, the online training system that your sales team will love. Rise.com is an all-in-one system that makes online training easy to create, enjoyable to take, and simple to manage. Not only can you create, distribute, and analyze sales training easily in Rise.com, you also get tons of training content that's beautiful, well-researched, and enjoyable for learners. Help your team succeed with useful product guides, insightful marketing information, and a safe environment to practice real-world scenarios. Are you ready to train your sales team better? Start a free 30-day trial at rise.com slash sell or die. So one of our 12, well, I know you're going to die when we say we have 12 core values, is wow your audience, right? So Perfect. the wow factor <clears throat> is something we live all of course. the time. But think about what your customer needs right now. Right. They need knowledge. They need you to be able to turn on the dime. Mm -hmm. They need you to own the issue instead of saying, well, we don't handle that. The, that's a government thing. I'm going to send you a piece of paper. You fucking read it and figure it out. Yep. And you need to wow me with even just how fast you answer the phone. Yep. No doubt about it. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. Checks in the mail. <laughs> I think so. The, the California smartasses, you know. That's <laughs> more Philly did, in my blood than that, but go on. Exactly. Okay, that's true. Yeah. When did you actually move to San Diego? What was the year? Uh, 2001. It was February of 2001. So you've been there 20 years. Yep. You've yep. seen a lot in 20 years. Totally. Absolutely. Um. The traffic report is still the same. 
Um, oh, well, I will say it's not. I mean, I've been flying home in 20 minutes, which normally takes me 45. And it'll be interesting. Yeah, you know, my buddy would always tell me, I'd, I'd call him and I'd bitch and moan about the traffic on the five. And he's like, Johnny, it's just a barometer for the economy, buddy. And then when March 18th came around and Newsom shut down the state and that five was wide open and businesses were shut down, it was the greatest barometer of the economy, <laughs> right? And I still um, think we're going to, we may not see 20% of the cars on the road after all, all is said and done. I think people are going to be working more from home. I think they'll be comfortable with that, but it will not change your business one iota. Wherever people have to work from, they still need to be paid every other week. You know, and we've seen a tremendous increase in our outsourced HR accounting business as well. So talk about being in the know, knowledgeable and being um, accountable and, and, and there for our audience. We started an outsourced HR business about um, two years ago. And the outsourcing of business functions is critical because if you could do it for a third of the price, um, you know, it's, it's obviously appealing right now. So the challenge that you have, you have a great business and your business, you'll always be able to steal anyone else's account. Yep. Always. Always. Yeah. I don't. Um, hi, my name's Johnny. We're your new payroll company. Well, what do you mean? We already have one. Yeah, I know, but you won't for long. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you're willing to give me 15 minutes, I'll earn your business. Yeah. Everyone needs it. Right. And in general, you're looking for one of three problems, right? Are they unhappy with the customer service? Are they unhappy with the price? Are they unhappy with the uh, product functionality in, in general? Uh, and and we can we can identify problems in all of those three areas. One, yeah. one you know, it's it doesn't need all three. Just to find what better looks like. If I was a salesperson in a payroll company, and I know many of them, I've trained for ADP, trained for done training for paychecks. Um, they're not bright enough to hire me to do the whole sales force. They do me like a region or something like that. Yeah. But the bottom line is they they all do the same damn thing. Right. They all call on somebody and try to extract their payroll from somebody else That's because right. no one goes with payroll. I never heard of that. <laughs> or, or somebody grows into it, but the people that grow into it are minuscule compared to the yeah. people that already have it and will switch. Yeah. No question. I mean, in, in anything, you know, usually those are the more complex and exp expensive customers to have are the brand new. Startup. So you walk into somebody's business and say, Hey, I'm here to help you change your payroll company. What do you mean? No. That, what do you that say is to not him? our tactic. Well, I mean, look, the, the, the tactic has changed over the last years, right? Depending on the business client. For us, let's just talk about the last 10 weeks, right? For us, it is calling to say, I am here to provide you a free resource. I would like to invite you to our daily town hall meeting to answer all of your questions in regards to the PPP. We feel it's our obligation to help businesses get back to work. And the PPP is a great vehicle to do that. We simply want to invite you to join our town hall. All right, now go back 11 weeks. What did you say 11 weeks ago? Uh, that's right. Please, we're here to change your payroll. <laughs> okay. So it's a different pitch, but that's going to go away soon. It is. However, that doesn't mean you can't continue to be a resource. When, when COVID struck and I'm home, I decided to do a Facebook Live every morning at 9.59 a.m. Mm. I have thousands of views by the end of the day. I engage at least 10,000 people on every episode by the end of the week. 
I go on at 9.59. By 10 o'clock, there's more than 100 people online waiting, claiming to be first. Right. I was on first. I was on first. Mm. And I'm giving them value. And cool people show up, old friends of mine, new friends of mine, for a message of hope and inspiration and get ready and get up off your ass. Yeah. It doesn't have to be technical. It can also be helpful. Yeah. It can also be inspirational. And I don't know who your inspirer is, but people are looking for hope right sure. now. There's people That's... that are on the balls of their ass. Yeah, yeah. No or in your case, that. people have had their business burnt down. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's you know, it's it's crazy. And, and what we saw as a result, of, a result of these town hall meetings was the outpouring of appreciation from customers telling mm-hmm. us how they don't think they could have gotten through this period of time without us. Like that's never been said, right? So, so that's where we said, oh, we're going to create a commercial on that. And then we said, wait a minute, we're charging, call it 23 grand for our outsourced HR business. It's a very vital and, and very, um, I think, valuable, great ROI on that business. But what if, we, what if we gave a little bit of that to customers to help them you know, just get through this period of time. So what if we held a, a, a bi-weekly or monthly town hall answering any HR question, right? You get an hour with Shelly, our CHRO, and mm-hmm. come on in. But, and, and look, if you're a salesperson, that's your reason to call. It's a great, it's a non-threatening, I'm here to bring value, I want to invite you, and then you experience the coastal difference because you see my face, you see Shelly, you see Craig, and, the, and a lot of customers say, that's the kind of company I want to work with. I like those guys. Right. Yeah, I like those that's people. That's awesome. I, I want to talk about something, which is that your business is, is cyclical in the sense that most people don't want to change pay- payroll mid-year, right? You yeah. have, you have, my competitors have done a real bad job of it, but go on. Yeah. I mean, I have, I've done a lot of networking and in those, in every networking group I've been in, there's either, there's some payroll rep. Of course. Right. And they gear up, most of them, gear up right towards the last like couple months of the year because everyone switches, so to say everyone, switches for January. Mm. So there's lots of businesses that think like that too. How do you get around it to ensure you're getting sales all year long and that you're helping customers make a decision in what may seem like an inconvenient time? Is there actually more convenience to it? Totally. So, you know, so much of bad relationships goes to improper expectations being set. Okay. So that can be in relation and expectations not being met. Correct. Correct. Right. That is without, that is true. Not being met. However, if we're not, if we're not setting proper expectations and helping people understand, then we don't what their expectations were. And we don't have that dialogue back and forth. The but the sales guy only gives a shit about making the sale. He'll sell a swimming pool on the roof. Yeah. Hand delivered checks signed right. by Donald Trump. There, there's a little bit of that, but we, we've got a different model and, and I'm going to go into that. Right. The other thing is they're just kind of shifting that paradigm of people thinking, Oh, the best time is to switch January one. And we say, well, we don't agree. And here's why. Okay. So we do things differently. And when I say my, my competitors screw it up, when, when you talk about the pain of changing payroll, it's because the experience has been set negatively by my competition who didn't care. 
who came in, they just sold it and ran, and it was sent to some implementation person in uh, La Palma, who they're never going to talk to again, and then it's done, and they're calling into a 1-800 number. So that's the experience, and what we do is we say, look, we got a different method. First of all, in when we change in the middle of the year, we run what's known as parallel payrolls. So we'll load in prior wages, and then we're going to run two parallel payrolls, meaning you run your payroll with ADP, we're going to run it, we're going to check gross to net each employee's check. So we're finding our mistakes before we go live, and we do that twice. And I'd say about 15% of the times, we find mistakes that ADP and and paychecks are making, right? Mm -hmm. So when we go live, we know more about your payroll than just saying, okay, fingers crossed, here we go. So we explain that to the customer. And at year end or the start of a year, you're not really given that luxury of running parallel payrolls because you are starting fresh. Uh, There's different tax tables going into the new year. It doesn't work as clean. So we can articulate to the customer how right now is a better time to do it. Then you just got to back it up. Right, that's that's a whole nother thing about meeting or exceeding expectations. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that um, you have to demystify the process and create an opposite effect in the mind of the customer, yeah. or you're not going to be able to convince them. And if you say, you know, a lot of people think that changing in the middle of years are bad. In our 12-year experience, we found that it's the best time. Right. It's the safest time. And because we run double payroll parallel, we're going to find every mistake, not just ours, because yep. there may be others. That's right. That's right. And we have those stories to talk about. I'm it's sorry, so Tim. huge when you can find the benefit for the customer of helping them make that decision earlier. Like mm-hmm. when I was selling to schools, everyone sells at the same time. Mm-hmm. And all schools start around the same time of the year. They have the similar professional development days. They all gear up for the, you know, same thing. And I also found that selling when my competition wasn't selling made it so much easier to switch and mm-hmm. on the customer, you know, mm-hmm. not just for me to have consistent commissions, right. but also for the customer. Course. And I want to throw an idea at you, if you don't mind, my second $10,000 idea. Okay, now we're um, it's getting expensive. We're going. I know. You're not just performing a two-payroll parallel. Mm-hmm. You're performing a two-payroll safety check and audit. Right, right. That's huge. I love that. Because parallel doesn't mean anything to me, but safety check and audit means everything to me right, right. because right. if my if my employee has a check that's 10 cents wrong mm-hmm. they're going to tell me about it a if dime it's, if, it's, if it's paying them less exactly yeah yeah exactly right so you mentioned you had 12 core values are mm-hmm. any of them like shareable One, that are that we should we could learn from Yeah, I mean, and I'll tell you how we got them, okay? Because I remember um, sitting in the rocking chair when my oldest son was two months old. It was two in the morning. I was rocking him, and, you know, I had been listening to this Brian Tracy 
uh, podcast at the time and, and just about being a value to your customer. He's a client, by the way. Uh, I got him through cold calling. It's a very proud uh, win for me. But I, I realized, I was like, how am I going to retain my employees when this isn't a sexy business? And a lot of times people call in and they scream and yell because they're pissed off, right? Like, and how do we ever have a good business if we can't retain employees? And I said, you know what? What if we had a goal to be our client's number one business vendor? I mean, no matter who you write a check to, you could be writing a $100,000 check to, to Lowe's and yet you're spending two grand with us and, and you love us more. And so we, we set that goal a long time ago. And then we realized really the way to get to remarkable customer service is through having a fantastic corporate culture, right? And I know this sounds a little bit rainbows and unicorns, but I've given a number of presentations on this and I think it's authentic. So Craig said, hey, I just read this book, Delivering Happiness, written by Tony Shea, the founder of Zappos, right? And he said, look, I know how you are with reading. So watch this YouTube of him speaking to Stanford. Uh, <laughs> and so I watched the, the presentation, which was basically the book. And we we're like, man, that's unbelievable, right? Their remarkable business is all founded around their corporate culture, which is founded on their 12 core values. And then the, the time our core values were um, be reliable. It was, it was integrity, accountability, and honesty or something like that. It was like crap. Right, it was just big words. So we went and we actually flew to Vegas and we toured Zappos. And I mean, we were floored. It, 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 you know, they take you around, they pick you up in the shuttle and, and everything all for free. And we actually paid to have their managers come and speak to us for 30 minutes and their life coach come and speak to us for 30 minutes. We paid for that. And in both of those situations, I was let down because they weren't prepared for us. And I was pissed off flying home that day. And then it occurred to me, I'm like, wait a minute. They're just human beings trying to get through the day too. I had them set up here as these supermen and women, and they're just people like us trying to get through, but yet they've got a great corporate culture. So why can't we do that, right? So, so then we came back and we said, okay, let's find out what our employees believe or makes us special and unique. So we set up a, a box in the break room and we said, look, you got a month. I want you to put ideas in there. Bah, 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 bah. And after, uh, after the month, we had about 80, 90 slips of paper with ideas on our values. And actually I sent an email to the employees yesterday about this because um, our, our, our first core value was respect others and embrace diversity, right? Look at what's going on in this world right now and how the hell do we come out of this? And the only way to do it, I thought, was to have a place like Coastal Payroll, where this sounds utopian, but I don't see Greg as an African-American man. I see him just as a guy that is so wonderful to be around, and I rely on him, and he's there for me, and he relies on me, right? So, so we, we, we came together with all of these uh, entries, and we created our 12 core values, and we really try and hold ourselves accountable to living those core values every day. It is the foundation and cornerstone for our culture. And it has allowed us to be one of the best places to work. Um, six out of the last, I mean, really, since we instituted this, in, uh, 2015, we were in San Diego's number one company to work for. 2016, we were Fortune Magazine's number 29 best small business to work for in America. Cool. Way to go. So, Where is your partner from? Where did he grow up? 
Eve grew up in Bedford, Virginia. So we both went to James Madison University. Cool. Did you play yeah. sports there? Uh, we did not, no. Um, Craig. Um, They're known for basketball. Yeah, Lefty Drizel was the coach when I was there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's he's an accountant, but I mean, he's actually a really great athlete. He's a lot, he beats my ass in golf every time we play. And, uh, but no, we, we weren't. We weren't athletes in college, which is typically an indicator of a really solid sales candidate. I'm just going to say that. Yeah. An athlete? Yep. Oh, yeah. They're coachable. The main thing. They follow the rules. Cool. Um, I'm excited for your business because I think it's going to grow like hell over the course of the next year. Really? And if you – I don't know how good your salespeople are. do you have it like a small team of sales guys? So, so let me tell you something that happened over the last six months. We've almost tripled our sales team and it's been turned upside down, right? It's, it's, it's on its head right now. So um, I had a VP of sales, one of the most motivational guys. He was my golf instructor for four years, the Scottish guy, wonderful dude. Um, and I was like, what are you doing instructing golf in a, in a simulator bay? You got to come work for me, sell for me. And if you do a good job, he's very process driven. So you do a good job. You'll, you'll be able to, uh, you know, take on leadership of the sales team. Cause I'm not a good manager, Jeffrey. I, I am, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm not detail oriented. I'm a visionary guy. And I, I have a hard time following through on everything unless I've got people there that can do it. Um, so Andrew came on board, did well in sales. I made him manager. He's such a motivational guy that the team really followed him, right? Well, um, as of last year, there was a major bank, national bank in America, that sold its book of business. It's, it had a payroll company. It sold its book to ADP. Just so happens the West Coast sales executive lives in San Diego. And I got introduced to her through my banker. And she said, hey, look, I'll bring my top three salespeople over and we'll do fantastic, right? And so I was like, man, there's an opportunity once every two decades to bring a sales team over. Well, you got two different cultures here, right? That are now like this and two sales leaders that are both good people. And I made the mistake of saying, hey, uh, you guys are going to be peers. One is not going to be above the other, right? Mistake. Um, I think it worked out well right now, but what ended up happening is there was just kind of this looking back and forth at each other. And it weren't, we weren't the team that we were known to be. Right. And I always knew Andrew wanted to be a CEO of a company, right? He wanted ownership, either ownership in this, which, you know, I was like, look, it's, it's not part of the plan or he wanted to start his own company. And, and he, and he came to me after we'd been doing this about a month and said, Johnny, it's time. Um, and he had come to me wanting advice on how to start a company. And I, I said, look, sell for me for five years as well. And you'll, you'll, you'll be ready. And he and his wife started a digital marketing agency. Okay. So, so he, he decided he was going to leave. And at the the next week, my highest producer came to me and said, Johnny, I'm moving to Denver with my husband. And I offered her a, you know, a job there. Let's open up Denver. She goes, look, I just need a change in my life. So I saw a million dollars in revenue walking out the door between the oh, two yeah. and my leader. And I, and I got on the phone with one of my mentors who started one of the largest payroll and payment companies in America, Heartland Payroll. 
And he said, uh, Johnny, sometimes when one door closes, a garage door opens. <laughs> and I'm thinking, no way, bro. Not in this situation. And I'm telling you what happened since that period of time. Um, although my prior VP of sales, Andrew, is a remarkable guy. Um, we, we have not only taken the sales team and implemented new practices, but we've hired three of the most experienced producers I've ever seen. We hired a, a lady. She was out of the game about four years. But for the years that she was selling at ADP and Ultimate Software, she was one of their number one reps in the country. I could have never gotten this person. I recruited back someone that's been out of the game for about 10 years to raise her kids. But for 20 years at ADP, she was a, she managed sales for Southern California. Um, we brought on a guy in Orange County that made President's Club 23 out of 26 years. So, so when I couldn't see the garage door opportunity in front of me at the time, we, we have really um, grown this team to a team of 13 people, and it's, uh, it's having remarkable results, and I'm pretty excited about it. That's amazing. That's cool. Um, we're going to gift you my new normal course. Okay. Just for you. If the rest of your people want it, they can buy it for 200 bucks each. Right. I mean, it's actually 274 if you take the upsell. Sure. But... I want you to see that there's a strategy for getting back into this economy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I've interviewed 20 executives, CEOs, senior vice presidents of sales, and I've done my Facebook show now for about 70 days, and people are telling me what they think they need and what their fears are of going back into sure. the economy and I think that California is the biggest eggshell economy on the planet mm. because you've been over-legalized, overburdened, over-locked down. Mm. And people feel like they can't even see the light of day without yeah. um, getting some kind of a reprimand. It's such a paradox for me because when I vote, I want to vote business-friendly. And every time that, you know, it, it goes the other way, my business does better because there's no, there's more compliance and regulation, right? Yeah. So, uh, so, and I'm not resting on my laurels there that this is it, but we do benefit from that. However, that, that, that's, that's beside the point. Your point is that there's an opportunity here that we need to be in front of, and we need to be the subject matter experts on this new opportunity here. Yes. Uh, otherwise, it's going to pass by, mm -hmm. right? It was like the Affordable Care Act. When that came out, I, you know, and, and same thing, ADP, you know, 45-minute hold times and this and that, and we became experts. Our business almost doubled with that whole thing, right? But I kept telling my sales team, guys, they're going to, ADP's going to get it right. Like, they're not going to have hold times forever. It's going to turn, get it in now, okay, we're good. you know, and then sure enough, you look back and ADP is good again, right? So now is the time to capitalize on it because, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's going to come and it's going to go. You're right. People are not looking for solutions. They're looking for answers. Mm -hmm. I agree. And you got to provide them.
Thank you so much for joining us. Tell us where can people go to find out more about your company and more about you? Yeah, thank you so much. Um, just go to coastalpayroll.com and you, you know we've got all kinds of information on us there. Johnny, you were a great interview. Thank and, you so much. And we totally appreciate what you're doing and, yeah. and the fact that you're an entrepreneur with four kids. <laughs> hey man, let's keep That's in touch. The, Okay, our people will call you. Well, you'll get our course and you can decide yeah, whether we're pulling. I'm going to take it and I'll, I'll, I'll see about the sales team. Okay, perfect. We'll reach out to you with the login and all that. Awesome. Thanks so much, Jen. Take care. Bye. Bye, -bye. Thank you so much for listening to Sell or Die. We hope that this episode has helped you transform the way you think, given you new ideas, and provided you a new perspective on the sales and business challenges that you face every day so you can get out there and win the customer all the way to the bank. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a second to rate and review. Each review helps us help more people just like you make a difference in this world. Don't forget to take a screenshot, share it in your Instagram stories and tag us at Jeffrey Gittimer and at Jen Gittimer. See, See you, you next, next week. week.